Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from... KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening where we are set to continue our exploration into, well, what I have called this Friday uh, Catholic Musings. And what this Friday has become really is not only me reflecting into something that struck me from this past week, but also me responding to a question you have asked me. You know, we did that series on responding to your questions, answering common misconceptions to the Catholic faith, and, well, when I had wrapped that series up, I was still getting questions. Why? Because there's a million and one questions about the Christian and Catholic faith. So, anyhow, I thought we could still do that with this Friday as we just link it up with my musing. Now, before we get into this, um, I did just want to continue to welcome all of you who are taking time out of your very busy schedules to... Uh, listen to Seeds of Truth Radio. I feel like I haven't done this enough recently, and I don't want you to think that you're not appreciated. Uh, You are very much appreciated, and I very much enjoy engaging you and receiving your questions, your comments, your observations about the things I'm talking about here on the radio. Over the past 14, 15 years, I have talked about a lot, (laughs) right? I have talked about a lot, and so I do want to say thank you especially those who are tuning in by way of podcast, just not locally, statewide, or even nationally, but also internationally. I continue to see uh, faithful listeners in the countries of Canada, Mexico, down in South America, Argentina, Chile, Brazil. Uh, I also see in Western Europe, uh, Portugal, Spain, Italy, France, I even see some in Germany, and, and even some in the Ukraine, uh, even going down into the Middle East a little bit. I've had listeners in Saudi Arabia, Turkey. Uh, I've also seen listeners in India, and certainly as well as, as Africa. You know, I teach for the Avalon Institute, and I have and have had in the past students from Africa, and so I do see these pockets of listeners in Uh, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, even some in Egypt. Anyhow, I just want to welcome all of you and say uh, thank you. All right, now, (laughs) to your question for this Friday, a question that I loved, and a question I don't know if I've ever received before, actually, and it is this, does dogmatic theology get in the way of how we think about love? What a great question. The answer, quite simply, is emphatically no. In point of fact, I would suggest to you it is the opposite, huh? Which is to say, it is by virtue of dogma that we better understand love. What do I mean? Well, take the Trinity. As sacred scripture reminds us, God is love. But how do we discern this? If God is not a Trinity, God is not love. As the famous philosopher, theologian, who you've heard me quote a lot, Peter Kraft, reminds us, he says, 
For love requires three things, a lover, a beloved, and a relationship between them. If God were only one person, he could be a lover but not love itself. You see? And what is he getting at there? Well, the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, and the Spirit is a love proceeding from both from all eternity. So the Trinity is this eternal, perfect exchange of love. If that were not so, then God would not need us, hmm? would be incomplete without us, without someone to love. And what does that mean? Well, again, Peter Kraft reminds us that his creating us would not be wholly unselfish, but selfish from his own need. All right, so what's going on there, my friends? You see, in the Trinity, you have the full bloom of love. Why? Because in the Father, you have love given, in the Son, love received, and in the Holy Spirit, love shared. So it is. The dogma of the Trinity doesn't get in the way of love, but reveals it. And how about the dogmas of the Incarnation or even the Paschal Mystery, right? The Paschal Mysteries, the Passion, Death, Resurrection, and Ascension of Jesus. These dogmas reveal God's love. In the birth of Christ, God reveals the heights of humble love, that all love in its most beautiful form, starts with simplicity. In the Paschal Mystery, God reveals even more what this beautiful love looks like, that it is sacrificial, right? You've heard me talk about God's agape love before, the Greek word for sacrificial love, the highest love. It reveals to us that love is never enough until it gives everything. Huh? Love is never enough until it gives everything. Maybe we ask the question as we do because the word dogma comes across as, well, let's be honest, mm, too authoritarian, right? I get it. No one likes to be told what to do. But what I propose to you is this. The church as mother, in her dogmatic teachings, is doing nothing more than reproposing the gift of love as it has been revealed in sacred scripture. And this reproposing in dogmatic form is an invitation to better understand love. Huh? The church in her tradition says, contemplate the beauty and wonder of God's love. And as you do, learn from it. Yeah, we can actually learn from it. Learn from the sacrificial love of the cross. Imitate that love. Give until it hurts. Learn from the humble love of the Incarnation. Hmm? Learn from the full bloom of love in the Trinity. The church there says to us, do you give love as you ought? Do you receive love as you ought? Do you share love as you ought? So again, dogma doesn't get in the way of love per se but reveals love. Amen? Amen. Okay, now, to my principal musing for this evening, something that has uh, struck a chord with me recently. Well, this comes to us in, in more of the form of storytelling, all right? Once I, I told my wife 
who is a physician assistant in dermatology, and I know I've spoken to that before, but I speak to it again because it really lies at the heart of, of this musing. I, I once told my wife that she is one day going to save my life. In my teenage years, I spent a lot of time out in the sun, and this is no embellishment, a lot of time out in the sun. And as it turns out, uh, she did, in fact, save my life as I wish to describe now. Recently, my wife noticed a dark and strange spot on my shoulder, kind of the front end of my shoulder, and consequently, we had the odd-looking mole biopsy. A biopsy is a sample of tissue taken to examine it more closely, right? The biopsy came back as an early form of melanoma cancer. And so, as you can well imagine, we immediately set up the surgical procedure to have it removed. The surgery went well, and the recovery process began. In the days following the surgery, there was some soreness, but nothing out of the ordinary, per se. While the wound was healing, I felt my skin tugging and pulling, if you will. This was natural, my wife told me. Approximately 10 days later, the suture was removed, and the experience of the jerking of my skin started to dissipate, started to wane. In those 10 days, while the wound was healing, I sensed the Holy Spirit inviting me to consider an important truth to the spiritual life as it relates to this very physical experience I just had. On one hand, I was made to consider the importance of tending to a wound scene and how applicable this was to the spiritual life. For example, if we do not tend our self-inflicted wounds, sin that we see in the in the sacrament of confession, then they may ravage our soul, like a cancer eating us up inside. On the other hand, however, even after we tend to our wounds, it would be a mistake to just ignore them. Hmm? In the spiritual life, God has given us the gift of our conscience, an interior voice that directs and guides, ultimately helping us distinguish right from wrong. The more formed our conscience is, the clearer this interior voice will help us choose wisely. A well-formed conscience has a way of, dare I say, tugging and pulling it at our hearts to be more, what do we say in the act of contrition? Firmly resolved with the help of God's grace to sin less and avoid the narration of sin. Hmm? In other words, my friends, a well-formed conscience is a sure guide and reminder that although we may have repented of our sin, those self-inflicted wounds, we still need to be resolved to grow in virtue and avoid growing impatient as God's grace works in our hearts to overcome the sin in our lives. Incidentally, as we kind of go back and forth with my experience in the span of those 10 days, my uh, suture started to get irritated, and I needed antibiotics to calm it down. As it turns out, even after the melanoma was removed, the tugging and pulling of my skin had me evaluating the state of my wound. You see, my friends, the same occurs in the spiritual life. Even as we cooperate with God's grace and God's healing. We have to be diligent in allowing a complete 
healing to occur in our hearts. Hmm? When my wife noticed the odd-looking mole on my shoulder, I had a hunch that it was, in fact, melanoma. And what I one day joked about her saving my life was a reality. If that went unseen and unaddressed, then it would have done great damage. But what I did not anticipate as I experienced this whole procedure and came out of it was that in the tugging and pulling of my skin, I would be made to reconsider how the conscience, my conscience, as an interior voice, tugs and pulls on my heart to make life-saving decisions. Amen. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.